Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so thankful to have you here with us this morning. Sometimes, being in this position, I have to be the bearer of bad news and I have to share some really difficult things with you guys. But today's not one of those days. So... I am really excited. Just a few minutes ago, uh, Ken DeBose, one of our elders, put a bug in my ear and gave me some fantastic news that I wanted to share with each and every one of you. Uh, some of you know that we have been praying diligently for Erica Sturgeon, who is the daughter of our brother Vic Roberts. Um, and for those of you who maybe have not been in the loop, she had a massive heart attack. And during that first 12 to 24 hours, I'll, I'll just be frank, the prognosis was not good. Um, it was not thought that she would... Uh, make much of a recovery or any recovery at all. But I'm excited to tell you guys this morning that the latest news on Erica is that she is awake, she is alert, and she is expected to make a full recovery. So if you came here this morning looking for a reminder of how amazing our God is and how amazing the power of prayer is, you just got it. Amen. Let's go home. Just kidding, I'd probably get fired for that. Um, on a more personal note, um, I have some more good news that I would like to share with the congregation, and that is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we are commanded to go forth and bear fruit. Well, I'm excited to tell you that Lizzie and I have done just that, and we will be expecting our third baby come April of 2020. So if, just a short, short side story, when I, when I first came to interview uh, as the youth minister here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, uh, Robert Acosta, who I don't know if he's in here or if he's outside right now, uh, he, I think half jokingly and half not jokingly, uh, asked me how many babies we were planning to have because the expectation was that we would help to repopulate the church. Well, I'm just going to say I feel like we've done our part at this point. It's time for some of you to go ahead and step in and take care of the rest. But anyway, we are really excited uh, to start a new journey, and we are really excited to share that with our church family. So speaking of family, today we're going to continue with our series on the one another's, and we are actually uh, starting to wind down this series. We'll have today, and then we'll have next week, and we'll go ahead and complete our one another series. And it's been wonderful just to walk through this with you and to be reminded of how important our church family really is and to be reminded of how we should treat one another. Now, I know a lot of these one another's are nothing earth shattering. It's like, oh, I've never heard that before. But I think from time to time, we really need to go back and be reminded of the way we should be treating one another and see what the scripture has to say about that. And I kind of equate it to baseball players. I, I love baseball. That's no, that's no big secret. Baseball players go out before every single game and take batting practice. And they do it over and over again because sometimes they need to be reminded of the fundamentals. They need to be reminded of the approach that they should have. And I look at this one another series very much in that very same way in that we need to be reminded of the way we should treat one another. And we should be reminded of how we should behave as a church family. So today we're, we're going to unpack one that, that may be a little challenging for some of us. And, and this is uh, bearing one another's burdens. And bearing one another's burdens can be tough. 
Um, and some of these one another's have been a little bit on, let's just call it the challenging side. Um, some of these are, are a little bit hard to, to deal with and they're a little bit hard to unpack sometimes. But let's look at the big idea for today. And the big idea for today is that we bear one another's burdens and so we fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we know all the way back from the early church, and if you want to read more about the early church, all you have to do is look at the book of Acts. We know all the way back from the early church that they truly did life together. They lived together. They worshiped together. They shared all of their meals together. They even pooled their resources. And, and we know that the church looks very different than that. Um, I don't think any of you are, are, are anxious for me and my kids to move into your house so that we can all live together. Um, but, but that was God's original design. And I think that that was, that was on purpose. That was intentional to show what it could look like. And even though we may not share houses and we may not share every meal, we can still have that same attitude of togetherness and that same attitude of being, being willing to give of ourselves for the greater good. And that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at today as we unpack this idea of bearing one another's burdens. Because, see, there's, there's two sides to bearing one another's burdens. There's, there's the person that's carrying a burden, and then there's the person that's willing to help with that burden. And I want you to think this morning as we, as we go through our lesson, I want you to think about maybe some burdens that you've been carrying. I want you to think about some things that have been bothering you. And maybe it's relationship, and maybe it's finance, and maybe it's work, or maybe it's sin. But I want you to think about the burdens that you're carrying with you. And I also want you to think about those people who are important to you and what burdens they may be carrying as we look at the way that Paul instructs the Church of Galatia of how to handle these types of situations. So if you want to open up your Bibles with me, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to unpack verses 1 through 10 to start with. And again, we're going to look, about, look at how does he tell us to go about helping one another. So as brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So a couple things here. You'll notice in almost every one of our one another's, the scripture points out that when we are living in the spirit, because remember, that's our goal as Christians, right, is to live in the spirit. But I underlined a couple of words for you here. And I think it's the two most powerful words in this passage that says you should restore that person gently. You should restore that person person gently. Now maybe some of you have done restoration and maybe it's uh, you like to restore old furniture or, or maybe you like to restore old cars. I know our brother Mark Oldham uh, who's out doing security today he, he likes to to work on old cars and things like that and, and you don't just take an old piece of furniture or an old car and just start hitting it with a sledgehammer. That may feel good that may relieve some stress, but probably not the best way to go about repairing something that's broken. Generally, hitting it with a hammer is not effective. So I love that Paul points out that we've got to restore one another gently. 
See, when somebody is struggling with something, when someone is hurting as their brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't go to that person and say, what's the matter with you? What'd you do that for? Is that going to help to restore that person? Is that showing love to that person? No. They already know what they've done. Or if that person is caught in sin, do you go to that person and say, what are you doing, you sinner? Of course not. Now, I'm being a little bit extreme. I would hope that none of us would ever do that. But I want to make the point that we've got to be gentle with one another if we truly want to help one another. If we truly want to bear each other's burdens, we have to be gentle. And the end of this verse says, but watch yourselves. Because, see, when we bear one another's burdens, right, when, when we want to help someone out of the situation that we're in, jumping headfirst into their situation doesn't really do any good. If someone is sinking in quicksand, you don't jump in to save them. Because now you're both sinking in quicksand. If someone's struggling with sin, you don't get involved in that sin, too, so that you can say, look, I'm here for you, I'm doing it, too. That's not an effective way to go about bearing their burdens. So he warns us right up front, we've got to be careful that when we try to help somebody else, we don't get ourselves in trouble. Let's go ahead and move on to verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. He's talking again about humility, and we had a whole lesson about humility, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. But what, but what he's reminding us of is be humble. Don't judge others. Right? Don't, don't, don't get caught up in this idea that, well, because their sin is this, that's way worse than my sin over here. Just because their sin is different doesn't make it better or worse. We don't compare ourselves. And that's exactly what he's saying here is he's saying, look, be humble. Don't think of yourselves more than you ought to. Be humble as you try to help others. Verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So what he's talking about is you got to clean your own house, right? You got to take care of your own self. You got to make sure that you're in a good place before you can try to help others. See, we've got to be spending time in the Word every day, and we've got to be spending time in prayer every day, and we've got to put on that armor of God every day, or how can we, help, how can we expect to go help someone else? How can we do that? We can't. If your car's broken down, you don't go to somebody who doesn't know anything about cars and say, hey, help me fix my car. No, you go to a mechanic. You go to somebody who knows. And if we want to truly be there for each other and be there for others, then we've got to make sure that we're in a place that we can do that. And we do that through studying the word, and we do that through prayer, and we do that through meditation, and we do that by following Jesus as closely as we can. Number five. Now this one, this one, this one almost sounds a little bit strange. It almost sounds counterintuitive to what we're talking about. But it says, For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one that receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. So basically it's saying you should be able to carry your own load. But the beautiful thing is you don't have to carry your own load. It's saying you need to be a strong enough person to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, so to speak, but you shouldn't have to. Sometimes you guys have heard me say this. 
I, I said this to uh, Amanda Wexler out in the courtyard here recently. She was helping uh, to clean up after services to put the chairs away and all that kind of stuff. And, and she was lifting chairs. And I said, Amanda, you don't need to do that. And she said, well, I can. I said, I know you can, but you shouldn't have to. That's exactly what we're talking about. See, you should be able to help yourself, but you don't have to. See, that's why we're here. That's why we're together. That's why we're the body of Christ. That's why, as the series of this mess, this whole, this, the title of this whole series tells you, we are better together. And I believe that. And I hope that you believe that too. We could do life alone. We could follow Christ alone. But we don't have to. And we don't want to. And that's why the Bible tells us, don't forsake the assembly, because we need to be together. Right? We need each other. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to love one another. We need to accept one another. We need to pray for one another. And that's exactly what we're talking about. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, this is that whole concept of if you sow apple seeds, you're going to grow apples, right? You don't sow apple seeds and grow bananas. We're going to reap what we sow. And you say, well, how does that fit into this passage that we're talking about? Because someone's going to have to deal with the decisions that they've made. But guess what? That's between them and God. And what that doesn't mean is that we can't still walk beside them in love and help them through their situation. We talked a few weeks back about judging one another, and this is a perfect example. We don't need to judge them, and we shouldn't judge them. God will take care of that. But what we can do is say, look, brother or sister, I know you made a mistake, but I love you, and I'm here for you, and we're going to get through this together. Because, see, that's what a family does. Guys, families screw up, okay? We do. Newsflash, right? Some of us more than others. My wife's probably back there shaking her head right now. We make mistakes. We hurt each other's feelings. We say really stupid things. But when you truly love each other, then you can move past that in love and continue to be a family. We often say when it comes to our biological family, right? You only get one family. This is the only family you got. You got to make it work. I believe it's the same thing when it comes to our church family. We're a family, and we got to make it work, and we're going to have disagreements. But at the end of the day, if we can bear each other's burdens and we can be there for one another, we're going to be a much stronger and much more successful family. Uh, verse 8 continues this idea. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, when you're acting in the Spirit, when you're sowing seeds of love, when you're sowing the seeds of a Christ follower, that's what you're going to get back in return. Verse 9, I love this verse. This was actually the, the, the key verse or the, the focus verse uh, at Lizzie's school a couple years back. And they have a, a verse that they focus on all year long, and it says, Let us not become weary in doing good. At the proper time we'll reap a harvest, if we do not give up. If we don't give up. See, we can't get weary of doing the right thing. We can't get weary of helping one another. 
And sometimes we feel that way, right? I've, I've been helping this person. They don't listen. I've been helping them over and over and over and over again. But Paul reminds us, don't get tired of doing that. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus did. He helped people over and over and over and over again. He healed the sick. And like Brother Glenn said earlier this morning, where were those people in the end? See, Jesus did everything that he could for everybody that he came encountered with. And how did he get rewarded? He got sent to the cross. And yes, he won the ultimate victory. But see, we have to have that same mindset. That we can't get tired of doing the right thing. Even when it's not fun, even when it's not popular, we've got to do the right thing. And in the end, we're going to win the victory. Let's look at verse 10. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those in the family of believers. I love where it says, all people. It doesn't say to the people that you like. It doesn't say to the people that you love. It doesn't say to the people who it's convenient for. It says, all people even if they don't look like you and they don't think like you and they don't vote like you, it doesn't matter. See, we've got to do good just as Christ did good. And then the last part of that verse where he really brings it home, it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Look around this room. This is the family of believers that meet here in Mission Viejo. Now, the family of believers is much bigger than what we have right here in this room, but this is our family. And then, see, we have an extended family of believers all around the world. But it says, especially, especially to those who belong to the family. See, we do a lot of good things in this church. We have a lot of amazing ministries that are truly doing good. We have our military ministry. We have our hands and feet ministry. We have our comfort cafe that just got started up again this week. And we're doing good to others. And we don't, we don't ask for anything in return. We have our hands and feet ministry where we're, we're sending dresses to little girls in Africa. There's, there's no, there's no, we're not asking for anything in return. We don't even know who the specific girls are that are receiving those dresses. But what we do know is it's making an impact on their lives in a positive manner for Christ. And that's what it's all about. And see, we can't get tired of doing those things. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another. I should have underlined be patient. Because for those of you who know me, that's not always my strong suit. And maybe some of you can relate to that just a little bit. But we got to be patient. Because the Father is patient with us. See, God never gives up on us. And thank goodness he doesn't. Because we do some pretty dumb things. But he never, ever gives up on us. And see, we can't give up on one another. And this idea of bearing one another's burdens, 
Maybe you know someone who just gets in this pattern of making mistakes over and over and over and over again. Does that sound familiar to anybody, like the Israelites? What did the Israelites do? They made the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And God was patient with them. And God was loving to them. And God fulfilled his promises. Let's look at a couple more verses. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. So flip over to Colossians chapter 3, 13. It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We talked about this one a little bit more in detail when we talked about forgiving one another. But here again is that concept of we've got to bear with one another. We've got to be understanding. We've got to be loving. Now here's the cool thing. And some of this is a little bit deep and some of this is a little bit uh, introspective. But you don't ever have to be alone. I'm going to say that again. You don't ever have to be alone. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I felt alone. Prior to meeting Lizzie, I felt more alone in my life than I had ever felt. My family was 2,000 miles away. I had been through some pretty traumatic things, and I just didn't know where to turn. And I felt alone. Felt alone. Because, see, I didn't have this family that I could turn to. I didn't have this family that I could reach out to. I didn't have this family praying for me or bringing me meals or helping me in any way because, see, I wasn't a member of this church yet. As Christians, we're never alone because, see, we have each other. We have each other. We have each other. And more importantly, we have Jesus Christ. Because, see, when we have Jesus Christ and he fills us with the Holy Spirit, we are never alone. We don't have to go through things by ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we've got to be willing to share with one another. See, we've got to drop our pride and be willing to say, I need help. And that can be a hard thing to do. That can be a hard thing to do. It can be hard to admit that I need help. You know, this is one of the reasons I'm very excited that that on the horizon, uh, we're going to be kicking off small groups again. And for those of you who haven't been a part of that, this is, this is smaller groups that usually meet inside someone's home, and it just gives you a chance to do life together. We don't have to be alone. But we have to be willing to say, look, I need help. I need help. And so you've got to have that network of people that you can go to that aren't going to judge you, that are going to love you and say, yes, I want to walk alongside of you and I want to help you through this in any way that I can. And we have that. And as you look around this room, if we are truly the family of God, 
then you have all of these people that you can reach out to. You have seven elders in this church who would bend over backwards for you. You have seven elders in this church that you can go to day or night and say, I need you. And they're not going to judge you. And they're not going to look down on you. And they're not going to pick up the phone and tell five people, you're not going to believe what brother so-and-so did. No. They're going to be there for you in love. You have seven elders that are willing to do what it takes to bear your burdens. You have myself, you have deacons, and you have everybody in these pews right here who are willing to walk alongside you and bear your burdens. So when someone does that, what is our role? Because I want to give you some practical things that you can do because you're saying, yes, I want to help people, but I don't know what to do. Be a shoulder. Be a shoulder that they can lean on, that they can cry on, that they can hug on, or whatever it is that they need. Be that shoulder. Be a listener. All right, guys, I'm talking to you. Be a listener. Because, see, there's something ingrained in our DNA that we want to be fixers. And there's a time and a place to be a fixer, but there's also a time to be a listener. Sometimes you just have to listen. And you say, but I don't know the words to say. You don't have to. Sometimes they just need to be heard. And guess what? There's this amazing thing called the Holy Spirit, and you'll be amazed. It'll give you the words to say at the right time. And sometimes it's just being present. My dad had... uh, my dad had open heart surgery a few years back, and I, I flew back to Illinois to be to be with him and my mom. And and one of my oldest friends drove two hours to come sit in the waiting room with me. And he probably didn't say ten words the whole time he was there, but he didn't have to because he was present. Just having him there made me feel better. So maybe you don't have the words to say, and maybe you don't have the means to help someone, but you can be there. Just be there. So they know you are not alone. Maybe it's that you just need to reach out. We, we have so many ways now to communicate, now more than ever in the past. We have 15 kinds, 30 kinds, 100 kinds of social media We have text messaging. We have emails. We have phone calls. We have letters. That's that thing where you write on a piece of paper and you fold it up and you put a stamp on it and you put it in the mailbox because the kids down here are looking at me like, what's a letter? It's how we used to communicate back in the caveman era. So, But maybe you just need to reach out to someone. Maybe there's someone who hasn't been with us in a few weeks. Reach out to that person because you don't know what they're struggling with. Reach out, send them a text, give them a phone call, send them a card. Hey, missed you at church, been thinking about you, love you. If you need anything, give me a call. That could mean the world to someone who is struggling. And the last is just don't, we can't judge one another. Because when you truly go to someone in love, you'll be amazed at what you can do for that 
person. Approach them in love. So again, our takeaways. Be there for one another. Know that you're not alone. And build your support network. Build a support network. Put a team of believers around you that are going to surround you with Christian love. Put a network of believers around you who will do anything to help you. And be that person for them as well. Be a chain breaker. Maybe you have a history uh, in your family and, and, and it's just things that you don't want to be involved in anymore, but you're just afraid or you don't know how. Be the chain breaker. Be the one that says, look, we're not going to do this anymore. And reach out to someone who can help you with that. And again, sow good seeds. Maybe this morning you are bearing a burden. Maybe this morning you are, are bearing the burden of your past sins. The good news of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to do that anymore. Because if you're a baptized believer, you just need to truly repent and turn away from that and ask for forgiveness, and he will forgive you. But maybe you've never had that chance to be baptized. So you could have the remission of sins and you could receive this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. In just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and lead us in another song, and I want to encourage you to come forward. Or maybe you've been bearing a burden and it's weighing you down and it's dragging you down and it's slowing you down and it's preventing you from having the relationship with Jesus Christ that you want to have. I want to encourage you to come forward this morning because we would love to talk with you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. Amen.